Welcome to Everything Just Changed, a brand new podcast with Brad Edwards and myself, Bryce Hales. We are two uh, church planters and pastors in uh, radically different places. And uh, Brad's planting a church called The Table in Boulder County, Colorado. And I am the pastor of Resurrection OC in Orange County, California. And we are uh, meeting together to talk about how everything in our world has just changed in the last few weeks and what the gospel implications of those changes may be. Well, and it may be even helpful a little bit uh, to to just kind of set up, I mean, why in the world are we doing a, uh, a podcast when everybody and their mother has an opinion on everything that's going on? And there's a, you know, Twitter feeds just totally overwhelmed with hot takes. And so uh, we're kind of starting to record just because of conversations that we've already been having. Um, so Bryce is in Orange County, which is very outside the Bible Belt. And I am in Boulder County, right outside of Boulder, Colorado. And it is referred to as the People's Republic of Boulder for a reason. And so <laughs> we, what we have in common in these two places are that we're not in the Bible Belt and that the primary dominant kind of cultural context that we are both wrestling with is is secularism and this idea that uh, in a post-Christian culture, we are kind of on this choose-your-own-adventure for meaning and faith and ultimate value and purpose and all this kind of fun stuff. But what's interesting has been how every time I keep encountering a, a problem or a challenge in ministry or something that I'm like, you know, seminary did not prepare me for this. Yes. I call Bryce and he is the consistently the only one who is like, oh yeah, I've, I've been there, done that. We're, we're, we're right in the same boat together. But I, I, I will yeah. say thing that you have had to deal with that I have not, which is I'm really grateful for is how do you apply the gospel to plastic surgery? <laughs> not a thing. Touche, uh, touche. Yes, Orange County. Well, it's interesting because uh, Orange County, obviously we're not in the Bible Belt. Um, and yet there are a lot of big, uh, uh, you know, numerically successful, very influential churches uh, in Orange County. There, numerically, there are a lar- large number of people who profess to be Christians in, uh, in Southern California. And yet um, one of the things I think that we have found to- together as we've talked is how much secularism has influenced uh, both the culture uh, that you're dealing with in Boulder County, Colorado, but also here in in uh, in Orange County, California, uh, it, they they may look different. You know, Orange County is more uh, image based. Um, you know, very uh, externally kind of affluent leans uh, politically to the right, and yet there is this post Christian mindset that is undergirding so many of the values that are embraced here and it's seeping into the church. And so we're finding ourselves as we're trying to lead uh, churches, young churches, where uh, we're encouraging our people to build lives around Jesus and just kind of running up against these obstacles from almost day one because the secular mindset, this idea that my life can be great without God at the center of it mm-hmm. is so ingrained in people. And and again, that might look like in Boulder, like the outdoors lifestyle. Yeah. I, I generally, that's been what's really interesting about our conversation so far has just been how much we have such a similar DNA, but completely different expressions, yeah. right? 
your context is very kind of right of center. Ours is far left. Like I, I kind of describe the the typical kind of Boulder County conversation as being like between two soccer moms driving their Teslas uh, and discussing whether Bernie Sanders is 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 progressive enough to get their vote over. <laughs> Like, so there's this very kind of hyper spiritual kind of progressive expression of secularism where I am versus a kind of very, it seems like uh, right of center materialistic expression where where you are. Yeah. And so that's interesting because I, I still encounter people all the time who, when they find out I'm a pastor, say something like, oh, you know, I grew up in the church. I haven't been to church since high school, but my kids are asking questions now and I don't really know what to tell them. Uh, interesting. Tesla's lots of Tesla's here too. Um, I guess, I guess Tesla's swing both ways, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, it's a much, much more right leaning affluent, um, a kind of materialistic expression of secularism, and yet at, at its core, what we're what we're finding is that both in your context and my context, though it may look different, uh, secularism is really just this idea of how, trying to build a life without God at its center. Yes. And so we've been talking That's about awesome. that. We've been talking about that for months, and then three weeks ago, everything changed when. Uh, yeah. this, this, uh, pandemic that we were hearing rumors of in January in China. Um, and then it, uh, kind of crossed into the United States and it, it felt like it went from, uh, the source of, of jokes to something we needed to take very seriously in like 48 hours. Yeah. And now we're recording this. Nobody's left their home, uh, mm-hmm. in three weeks and everything just changed. And so we're wanting to just kind of process together, but also hopefully share this as a resource uh, of a couple of pastors talking about for Christians, what opportunities is this crisis opening up? It's so easy for us to think of uh, this crisis and all of the limitations it's bringing, all the challenges it's bringing, certainly fear, anxiety, um, just the future is completely unknown. How is this going to affect uh, not just our health, but our, our, our financial uh, future, um, both individually for our families and for our nations. That, like, that's on everybody's mind. There's a lot of challenges. And yet we're wanting to ask the question, does this actually open up redemptive opportunities really for the first time in a generation? Yeah. And and so we're going to be trying to focus on like, not, hey, here's here's hot takes. Like, you know, as a like commentary on news, we want to get like deeper than this because this is what the the kind of cultural moment that the church is very much called to not just step up and and serve, but also to pay attention to what God is doing in the midst of this because he's he is doing something that has to be our starting foundation. Absolutely, and and if that is true, what now? Yes, everything just changed. So what now? So here's the question that, uh, let me throw this out here for today, Brad. So how might this actually be a opportunity instead of just a challenge? Uh, What once in a lifetime opportunities might this pandemic be uh, presenting to us? Yeah. And that, that question is so important. And also let's just recognize and acknowledge that that is a an extremely sensitive question and claim right now because mm. right it was just 2 days ago so this is april 2nd so 2 days ago president trump 
did a press conference where he said, and the, the health experts that he had up there with him, um, including Dr. Fauci, who is like my hero now, yes. uh, they were saying that if we do this perfectly over the next two weeks, we may see as many as a hundred to 200,000 people in America, in, in our country alone, die as a result of this pandemic. And so I, I think we, we both agreed before we started recording this, that we want to be incredibly um, self-aware that this is not an exercise of avoiding or uh, glossing over the intense and yeah. acute suffering that is going to be happening right now, but to to actually lean into it and to say that 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 suffering does not mean God isn't at work within it because God doesn't work apart from brokenness. It is actually through and in the midst of it. So this is not a, a, uh, yeah, an avoidance of that. It's actually trying us trying to lean into it. And so, yes, that's a great point. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We just want to acknowledge that with that said, so Bryce, you were, you, this is the question that we were like kind of prompted this whole thing. How might this be a once in a generation redemptive opportunity, right? Because we can, we can approach this with this scarcity mindset that says we need to fight to preserve everything that was, um, that, that we are going to put our energy and our effort into mitigating the, the effects that this has on ourselves, our family, our lifestyles, or instead of like, fighting against some of these implications, is there a way that we can lean into this and have a, and not a, a scarcity mindset, but a kingdom mindset that assumes God can and will use this to work redemptively, especially in and through his people? So, yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, really, that's always the question as we think about our lives. How are we operating as Christians with a kingdom mindset instead of a scarcity mindset? And so one of the things that any time of crisis uh, brings to the surface is it, is it really just reveals what's what was already there all along, mm. um, but uh, but this the scarcity mindset is is really the mindset that says I am at the center of the universe and I want to take care of myself and my family and if I have uh, resources to be generous beyond that because I'm a good person of course why would I not do that hmm. but the kingdom mindset is a is a mindset that says um, I find life by giving my life away to others. And so uh, kingdom mindset says in a time of crisis, uh, how might God actually be using this to open up doors of opportunity for me to depend on him more greatly and to be more generous uh, with, with others, with my neighbor. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I, I just, as you're, as you're describing this, I was thinking about um, the kind of a, a way of framing this for our own people has been around this this kind of realization that our functional reality, like what we're living in right now, has finally caught up to a spiritual reality that we have actually been able to avoid dealing with, paying attention to, uh, or giving any kind of time of day to to processing or doing business with. Because, frankly, like can we just maybe maybe it's helpful to even frame it this way as. Um, our, our spiritual privilege has just been stripped away by a pandemic. Yes. Right? Uh, the, the ease of which uh, we've been able to search for ultimate meaning and, and personal significance, instead of that happening through a materialistic pursuit or padding the, the margins of our lives with using financial or educational opportunities, whatever that may be, that's been stripped away. It now is not a source for meaning for us. We're stuck in our homes. We're scattered. Yes. And the way that we've been 
kind of cultivate our own self-image has been stripped away from us. Yeah. And we devote our energy toward trying to recover that and doubling down on the same thing that we have been uh, pouring our, our blood, sweat, and tears into. Or we can take a deep breath and ask, where is God working for our good in this loss? Yeah, and, and maybe it's an opportunity to, to acknowledge that for many of us, um, that our spirituality has really been an exercise in self-fulfillment. That oh, man, yeah. and whether, whether, um, whether, you know, we're saying this from the standpoint of, of people who are professing Christians or, um, the kind of the nuns, the spiritual, but not religious, um, that often our pursuit of spirituality is not about there is a, there's a, there, a God is at the center of reality. He's good. He's beautiful. And he is true. And therefore I shape my life around him because I flourish as I orbit around the one who is at the center of the universe. Instead of that, we view God as sort of the means to our own ends. And that has just completely been stripped away because I'm now spending 24 hours a day in my small home with my wife, who I love, and my four children, who I love. But let's be honest, there's six of us in a small house, and uh, it's close, close quarters here, you know? Yep. And God is not... <laughs> operating the way that I think he should at this moment. And none of us, uh, for none of us is he operating the way that he should. And so it's a, it's an opportunity to say, wow, maybe, maybe my pursuit of God has not actually been about love for God because of who he is, but it's actually about, it's actually about the pursuit of a lifestyle, um, that I want to live. And I expect him to bless me by giving me that sort of a lifestyle. All of that's hmm. out the window now. Hmm. That sounds like loss, right? That that yeah. sounds like something, something in a sense has died. So what does that look like just either in terms of the way that you're experiencing this or the way that you, uh, your people or neighbors are experiencing this? What does like processing those various stages of grief, how does that, yeah. you know, overlay to to what you just said because that seems really profound and i don't know well, i think that is the point actually and i think the, i think you just put your finger on it that what we're all experiencing collectively and this is what's so fascinating about this moment is that globally you know the vast majority of people are actually experiencing the same thing right now and it's so rare that that happens but what it is that we're experiencing really is grief and so there's denial, uh, there's anger, there's bargaining, <laughs> you know, eventually I suppose there's acceptance that comes. Bryce, uh, are you, are you describing the way you're relating to your wife or to God right now? Cause I feel like <laughs> bargaining, especially, <laughs> but maybe oh, that's I'm funny. Well, I, I guess I'm just thinking of it in terms of how am I responding to what's going on in my world? Because we, we have this tendency to live uh, circumstantially. And you and I both know this, that as pastors, we're always encouraging people to say, don't live your life based on your circumstances, live your life based on who God is and what's actually true. And, you know, let's be honest, that's a really compelling point to make on a Sunday morning. But when everything utterly changes and you're not going to work and you're worried about your financial future and you're not leaving your house 
and you're parenting 24 seven. All of the sudden circumstances really affect what's going on. And so the call I think is still the same that God is still God and, and, and we're still called to orbit, uh, center our lives around him. And yet there is this sense of loss and we're processing all of this as, uh, um, you know, as grief. And so I guess that the, the, you know, the bargaining, the anger, the frustration, I mean, I, I'm seeing that in so many ways, but I think one of the ways that we see this, um, you know, even just the denial, um, I mean, for me, I, I remember, uh, the, 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 this sense of, we have to meet in person one more Sunday. I know we're going to get shut down, but I want to get to, I want to speak into my people's lives one more time in person before we go to live streaming. I didn't get to do that. Um, but I, I think of a, a lot of people, friends who I know, people in our church that are running small businesses that are grappling with the same things and kind of going, okay, how are we going to keep this uh, business afloat during this time, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes uh, it, I wonder if it's being done um, in denial of what's actually really happening in the world, you know? So it's almost like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold this in my fist because this is the one thing I can control right now. And actually you can't. <laughs> so what's, what's really interesting about what you've just described, Bryce, is uh, what you're describing is almost this kind of, and I think what we're experiencing very, very functionally is this kind of being exiled at home, right? We're yeah. ironic. We're not exiled abroad. We're not being carried to or taken to another place, but we are against our preference and at least, and some maybe even against our will, are, are being forced to live in such a way and in a place not of our choosing. Yeah. And what's cool about that theme of exile is like, this is not the first time God's people have, have experienced that, right? Right. Uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 7 is kind of a, a main vision DNA verse for my church, the table. And it says, and and a lot of Christians are really familiar with this passage because it's just like, it's one of those you get printed on coffee mugs and and magnets and hang on your mom's fridge. But anyway, it says, (laughs) but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare, which is awesome. And outside of like being quarantined, we have all kinds of ideas on how to do that. However, but this is, this is the amazing part of the context of that verse is Jeremiah is writing that to the exiles at a time when they have not fully entered into Babylon. They are actually Mm -hmm. camped outside the city walls next to the river that ran outside of Babylon, and they are refusing to go in because God says in chapter 28 and then following in in verses 10 through 14 here, um, that false prophets are telling them, hey, don't get comfortable. God's going to bring us out again. Don't settle into this. Don't change mitigate your circumstances, have a scarcity mentality, and don't just just worry about yourself and self-protection for a little while. Yeah. That verse has completely new meaning and context um, with a quarantine where um, we can either have the scarcity men- mindset or a kingdom mindset that says, okay, even in my in my being far from home, not being able to gather with God's people, not being able to, to have the rhythms of life that, that gave me life. And I am against my will being in this circumstance that is not ideal. How in the world do we seek the welfare of our place despite social distancing? 
Yeah. Yeah. Despite social distancing, is it possible that the first step here in recognizing uh, this, not just as a challenge, but also as an opportunity is by uh, recognizing the ways in which we have failed to be the people God has called us to be. And this crisis, uh, just like the people of Israel and Jeremiah and in, in mm-hmm. Jeremiah's time, uh, you know, everything had just changed for them. And they've been mm-hmm. taken 800 miles away. They're now captives in Babylon and they're refusing to embrace what God is doing in their lives by remaining outside the city. And God says, no, lean into what I'm doing here. And yeah. I'm actually going to bless you, but I'm going to bless, uh, I'm going to bless Babylon through you during this time. In the same way, the opportunity for Christians today is to lean into what God is doing here. And the first step there is by simply acknowledging the ways in which we haven't actually built our lives around him. And we've tried to pursue, you know, lives of human flourishing, comfort, success, etc., apart from him. And I think that that goes just full circle back to what you were saying at the very beginning, Bryce, that um, this is a leaning into uh, the, the difficulty, the challenges, the suffering, the, the acute challenges that we are going to be faced with. It's, it's actually leaning into it not, and, and not avoiding it. And, and we call that leaning into it biblically lament, right? Yes. Yes. We have to, we have to lament this if we are going to accept the kind of kingdom mindset that God is, is handing to us as an invitation to, to see, not just to see this differently, but to accept that his grace is sufficient in the midst of it. Um, that, and, and this is, this is the amazing thing about Jeremiah 29, because the, the language that he's using in, in that verse and, and around it is reminiscent of Genesis 12, when God tells Abraham, I will right. be will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. Exactly. Guess what? That covenant still stands. I'm going to bless you in exile. And you were called to leverage that blessing at a time when your neighbors are probably more open to it, more in need of it. And the opportunities are as, as fresh as this whole crisis is. Yeah. So we're pastors and uh, we love talking about vision and what could be like, that's what part of what, what makes us tick, Right. How does the rubber meet the road on this? How in the world do we make that transition from a scarcity mentality that refuses to accept that we're exiled in Babylon or exiled at home to a kingdom mindset that says we, we actually believe and are living out that uh, we will find the, our own welfare by seeking the welfare of our neighbors in our city? Yeah, that's a great question. But I think we have to start by acknowledging the reality of the way that we've been living. And uh, for many of us, maybe the truth is part of what this pandemic is opening our eyes to is the fact that we have not been uh, well nourished. Uh, We have not built our lives around God. We are not flourishing. We are not, we are not people who are, we are, we are malnourished. Let's say it like that. And so think about it like this. It's like, if all I've been doing is surviving on a diet of of like potato chips for years, eventually I can't even conceive of what a nutritious meal would <laughs> feel like. Um, you know, so the invitation to a steak dinner comes, and I'm going, 
no, I'm fine. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick with the Doritos here because that's been taking care of me for a while now. Almost like like so if you're full on Doritos, steak doesn't sound that good because you steak feel steak doesn't sound that good. Steak and veggies doesn't sound that nutritious if I'm full on Cheetos and I got the orange fingers thing going. I'm just like, I'm just gonna suck the orange off my fingers for a little while here. But I think to push the the metaphor even further, and what you're saying referencing Jeremiah 29 is that really what God is calling Christians to is not just to feast on steak but to provide steak dinners for my, for my neighbors. And it's as I'm serving my neighbors that I'm actually being nourished myself. Yeah. And and this is where, right. This is where the church has, it's not like, you know, at the beginning of this, when we were talking about how, you know, we're in this like, you know, not Bible belt, secular place, as if that applied only to our neighbors, right. That applies also to those inside the church who fundamentally like part of, Part of our problem is we've been operating even before this happened on this zero sum mentality that I have so much fuel in the tank. And if I expend it for myself or my neighbor or whatever, and I don't have enough for my family or for myself, then then I'm just going to be running on empty as, as opposed to what Jesus talks about in John 4. When the disciples are asking him and come up to the to him at the at Jacob's well after talking to this woman from Samaria and really caring for her and loving her well and seeking her welfare, the disciples are like, "Hey, aren't you hungry, Jesus? Wait, did, is there food around here somewhere? How how are you doing this?" And he, he he says, "No, I have food that you can't see. This is actually nourishing to me in ways that actual food." is completely insufficient for. Yes. Because because this is what we're talking about is a soul nourishment uh, in addition to the actual physical nourishment that we absolutely need. Right. Yes. Yes. And so as Christians, we have the Holy spirit living within us. We have a source of life within us. We don't need to find life in external things and fulfillment and success and materialism, uh, whatever it is, but we have, we have the sort, we have the very life of God within us, which then enables us to move out in love towards others even when it feels like the world's coming in to an end. <laughs> yeah. And I think for so many of us who, you know, talking about spiritual privilege, this is actually the thing that will move us from this place of thinking, I only have so much to give to actually, I have an infinite God to offer. And, and that is a completely different place and a completely different foundation from which to live out of. Yes, yes. And, um, and again, I, I want to be uh, sensitive to what, you know, you noted earlier that to, for somebody hearing this, if you're actually sick with COVID-19 right now, this would f- sound very insensitive to say. Mm. And yet, maybe this is exactly what we needed. Um, and that as a pastor, often there's this point in a sermon on a Sunday morning where I have just laid out um, what I think is a biblical and inspiring vision for what God is calling our people to. And often I finish that sermon feeling like, okay, this is the moment where everything is going to change for people. And what I realize is I'm not God. I don't have that power. And I don't know if anybody's listening or uh, I don't know if, if, and I say this about myself too, I don't know if we are collectively willing to make the sorts of changes in our lives that God is actually calling us to, to orient our lives around him. And what this crisis 
is providing for all of us is this great hitting of the reset button. And maybe the invitation here is to embrace this as an opportunity to enter into what God is actually calling his people to. Hmm. Maybe, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that we can read in both, uh, you know, I mean, you see this, both Christians calling this out. We see this in the non-Christian world calling this out, that the church in the West has just become fat and bloated um, and has lost its way. And maybe this is actually what God is going to use to call the Western church back to himself, Hmm. to faithfulness, to evangelism, to discipleship, to loving our neighbors, and to following God uh, faithfully into the places that he's called us to love and serve our neighbors. Yeah. It's almost like if when once we come to the end of ourselves, we actually find the grace we've been looking for the whole time. Exactly. That's beautiful, man. So there's uh, a lot more to come. Uh, It will surprise no one who knows either of us or uh, any pastor that we have a lot more to say and process about this. Uh, Again, the more this is a conversation about, okay, so what now? Uh, I think the more prepared we and the church will be to to respond with a kingdom mindset and not a scarcity mentality. So hopefully this has been a good uh, foundation and uh, reset button for you in, in terms of how you're thinking and seeing the situation. And we'll just kind of keep building on this as we go and seeking to cooperate with whatever God is doing, wherever he's doing it. Thanks so much for joining us for the first episode of Everything Just Changed. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode with a friend and help us spread the word. We'll be back next week exploring more about what it means to follow Jesus in these unprecedented times. What do we do when everything we thought life was? Just an upward trajectory of success. That reality has been challenged, hasn't it? So what do we do? Do we run away, bury our heads in the sand, just try to get through it? Or is there a sacred opportunity for us here? I'm Bryce Hales with my friend Brad Edwards. Our theme music was recorded by Kevin McLeod and used under a Creative Commons license from filmmusic.io. We'll be back next week on Everything Just Changed. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. Thanks.